All right, talking about hope this morning with uh, Pastor Doug Rowland of Rock Island Church. Good morning and welcome back to the program, my brother. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Love laughing with y'all. That's a good way to start the day, oh, right? We love having you here. That's good medicine for the soul. But hey, here we are. It's the middle of December, not just the beginning. Yeah. Going so fast. And at our church, we take time each year really to observe Advent and just to uh, man, kind of put that roadblock to say, hey, calm down, slow down, world <laughs> swirling around us. And a time really to intentionally take a look back at Jesus' first Advent, his arrival, all the while looking forward with longing and expectation for his return, his second mm-hmm. arrival that we are promised. And, you know, one of the major themes we cover in Advent is hope. And I'm reminded that we use that word a whole lot. You know, little kids, big kids even, right? I hope. Maybe not a wallet. Maybe not a wallet. <laughs> right? But they're hoping they're going to get what's off that Christmas list. Or yeah. we hope it won't snow too much or get too cold. Or maybe we hope it snows a lot. Right? And school gets kids. All of these things. Lots of hopes when we use that word, but we mainly equate that to really wishful thinking, nothing that we super have control over, Mm -hmm. but we hope it's going to happen. But listen, God's word tells us that hope is to be grounded in a confident expectation of the future. We're to be a people of hope filled with a contagious enthusiasm for what is to come. And so Mm -hmm. often we put our hopes in far lesser things, far lesser things. I mean, things that, if I can say it this way, leak hope, vessels that can't hold our hope, things that we maybe think should satisfy us that only seem to let us down. You know, maybe it's the one gift on your list that no one did seem to get you. Or maybe it's the one thing you thought would make you happy. Or or maybe you get the thing you always wanted and hoped for only to have it lose its luster within a week or so. Mm. And so really the question is, in this world, is who or what can I ultimately place my hope in? And, and, And how do I live as a person of hope? when so many wallow in despair around us. And so, Deb, I'm just going to have you read one verse for us this morning, Paul's prayer for the church in Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. What a prayer. Mm -hmm. Right, that we would abound in hope. Listen, as we slow down to reflect on the arrival of Jesus and related to Paul's prayer here for the church, I want us to walk away with a few implications. First is this, that God is the source and supplier of all true hope. If you're looking anywhere else, don't. Just stop. Look at those first words in his prayer. May the God of hope. I mean, he's declaring something about the very essence and nature of God. He's not just an inspirer of hope. He authors hope. He doesn't just give hope. He, in fact, is hope. And it's something we see from the beginning of God's story in the Bible. I'm going to go rapid fire through some Old Testament promise of God, really with a desire to build some hope-filled momentum through the scriptures. I mean, all the way back at the beginning, Adam and Eve existed in a perfect relationship with God, self, others, and the rest of all creation. And unfortunately, it didn't last long, did it? I mean, one bite of the forbidden fruit in Genesis 3 and sin enters the world, everything changes, and that once perfect relationship with God is shattered. Doesn't sound very hope-filled, mm. except, except this, right after this happens, six verses later, that's, that's all that God waits. It's amazing to me. That catastrophe, right after that, God makes a promise that he would send one to bruise the head mm. of the serpent, meaning he would send a savior to defeat Satan. And the rest of the Old Testament continues to follow this promise, painting us a picture of who this Messiah would be. God makes promises to Abraham and David that he would bless their lineage. To Abraham, he would give descendants as numerous as the stars. To David, the promise that one from his line would sit on the throne of an eternal kingdom. 
And so hope builds in God's people as they watch for descendants of Abraham and a king from David's line. In Zechariah, we're told this coming king would be humble and righteous and that he would bring salvation. That's in chapter 9, verse 9, not only from enemies, but salvation from sin. Isaiah tells us that this king would be born of a virgin and his name would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us, which tells us that this king would be the son of God. We get all the way to the end of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. We're told this king will set his people free and deliver them from all evil. He says he'll make all their enemies into stubble. And then this, he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the, chi- and the hearts of children to their fathers, meaning the Savior will restore families. I mean, such mm-hmm. hope God holds out for his people. He's truly the only source and supplier of true hope. And we flip one page in our Bible from Old Testament to New Testament, and we see the fulfillment of all those hopes in Jesus, fulfillment of all these prophecies. But listen, before we get there, I want us to realize that one page in our Bible between the Testaments represents 400 years of brutal history, which tells us this about the power of hope. Hope allows us to endure seasons of mystery and suffering. Ruler after ruler during this intertestamental period took the Jews through seasons of war and violence and harsh torture. From Alexander the Great to Seleucid kings, God's people were ravaged by war. And then we get to Judas Maccabeus and the Hasmoneans who fought their best to restore the rightful priesthood and rescue the temple. And eventually, maybe you recognize this one, Pompeii. Pompeii brought Israel under the control of the Caesars. So here's Rome, which ultimately leads to Herod, the one who's going to kill all boys, male children, right, to find out who's his competition and take him out. And we know that he was, man, gunning for Jesus. It's a very quick flyover, 20 generations of suffering, 400 years. Now, remember back in Malachi 4, God promised to make the enemies of his people into stubble, Now listen, if I'm one of God's people in this time, I'm asking him, did you forget what you said? Where are your promises now? 400 brutal years is a long wake, which means we have to ask, listen, what sustains God's people as they wait? I would argue hope. Hope is what sustains. You see, some of God's promises to his people were already thousands of years old at this point. So in some sense, what's a few more centuries? Mm. They knew he was faithful. They had already seen so much. Why would he stop being a God of hope now? And the answer is he wouldn't. He wouldn't stop being a God of hope. Listen, our Christian lives are not defined by when God gives us a promise or when he fulfills it in those transactional moments of promise-making or promise-keeping. The Christian life is defined in the gap between God giving a promise and us waiting for its fulfillment. And hope allows us to endure that and wait well in seasons of both mystery and suffering. Seasons when we don't know exactly what he's up to or when life is hard. I mean, you ever had those days like, Jesus, I'm totally fine if today's the day. You could come back now. You find yourself looking to the sky, just watching. And listen, hope is what sustains us on those days, which leads me to this next point, that hope is based on God's pattern of kept promises, not on probabilities. Kept Mm -hmm. promises. I mean, here's the thing about our God. I say this to our kids all the time. He doesn't just make promises. He keeps them. You see, most of our misplaced hopes are based on probabilities. You know, maybe you think you got a good shot at promotion or, or you're hopeful that, man, if you put so much away that you'll have so much in savings when you retire. I mean, none of it's guaranteed, but it's what Sorry. you hope for, all based on probabilities, basically wishful thinking that may or may not come true. But with our God of hope, it's different. 
You're not banking on probabilities. You're banking on God's pattern of kept promises. You see, that promise he made way back in Genesis 3, it wasn't just a nice thought. Our God sent his son, Jesus, to crush the head of the serpent. He did so at his first coming when his death on the cross absorbed the wrath that we were due, and he defeated sin, death, and Satan. And guess what? Jesus will do so finally at his second coming when Satan will be defeated once for all, bound in hell for eternity. Those promises he made to Abraham and David were not just some wishful thinking. God was faithful to keep those promises as he made Abraham's descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, which, by the way, includes you and I as believers. We're part of the fulfillment. He was faithful, God was, to establish an eternal kingdom through David's line as Jesus takes a rightful seat on his throne. Those promises in Zechariah have come true in Jesus. We're even told in Zechariah he's going to ride the colt, the foal of a donkey, in his triumphal entry. Down to the detail, he's faithful to keep these promises, which means he is our righteous, humble king who brings salvation. Isaiah told us what to look for, a virgin who would give birth to a son who would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And wouldn't you know, God was true to his promises yet again. Here's the thing. There are hundreds and hundreds more prophecies left to be fulfilled between now and Christ's second coming promises our God has made. And based on his track record, what he promises to do, he will do. Mm. So you and I can have hope. And in case you think that this hope is just a warm, fuzzy feeling at Christmas, Paul makes it very practical in his prayer. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, meaning this, your hope should be visible. It should be lived out in joy and in peace. Paul's not saying suck it up and put a smile on your face and have a little joy. Snap out of your funk, get some holiday cheer, try a little harder to have a good attitude this time of year. Get over yourself. Just rejoice. No, Paul's not saying that. saying rejoice in the Lord. Recount what's true of you. See joy and peace in believing? That's recounting what is true. What's true of you in the gospel? Rejoice in the one who made it so that you were once dead and are now alive. You're once in bondage to sin and now set free. You were deserving of wrath and now forgiven. And because all of this is true, it's only natural. We should rejoice in the one who made it all possible. And so joy becomes a fruit of our hope. His reminder, Paul's, is is that we'll never gaze upon the Lord Jesus and feel let down, hoping he was something more. Because he's perfect, Mm -hmm. glorious, completely sufficient, the bread of life, the good shepherd, the radiance of God the Father, the fulfillment of all of God's promises to his people, and on and on and on. Jesus alone is our satisfaction of all hope. So look to him, Paul says, always, and let your joy be evident to all. Let peace overwhelm you. Why, he says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I would abound in hope, knowing God is the source and supplier of all true hope. Enduring seasons of mystery and suffering because we know that we know that we know that God doesn't just make promises, but he keeps them. And man, he prays for us that joy and peace would mark us as God's people of hope. I love that. That's pointing us to the true source. Amen. That's the hope. That's the hope that we have. That's the hope. And it endures forever. It will. We'll never let you down like that wallet that's coming on Christmas. (laughs) Never. That's right. Thank you. May our eyes be focused on that today. That's the And, you know, as we go through Advent and really all year long. Yes. That's our source. Abound in hope. Abound in hope. Love it. Thank Thank you you so very much, brother. Amen.